Welcome to the Full Minded with Elisabetta podcast, where my mission is to normalize the human experience. I believe there's power in authenticity and building a community immersed in it. I plan on bringing you on an in-depth and transparent journey of my life through solo episodes. I will also be interviewing a range of individuals who are willing to share their unique stories. On this podcast, we will dive into topics such as mental health, heartbreak, loss, change, trauma, self-love, and every other topic that makes up the human experience. While I do my very best to provide you insight and knowledge on these subject matters, this podcast is not a substitute for professional help. I am not a licensed therapist. I am simply a human sharing my experiences with the intent to help people feel less alone. If you are suffering, please consult with a licensed professional. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Welcome back. I feel like it's been so long since I jumped on the mic and just did a solo episode, like well over a month, because now I'm dropping episodes every other week, just instead of every week, because it's been so busy lately. Y'all know what that's like. Summer is the craziest season for us. Um, And I just didn't want to put too much pressure on myself and burnout, which is important. But I'm back. I'm excited. I'm actually chilling in my office today without the lights on, like a little gremlin, because I don't know. I just felt like the lights are a bit too bright today. Um, but yeah, it's funny because it's just me in this dark ass room ready to talk to you guys about self-love and confidence. Um, so I had recently opened up a question box saying, hit me with some questions that I can answer on the podcast. And somebody responded, with this. And I decided to make an entire episode about it because I think it would be a good episode. So they said, I have a podcast topic thing that I would love to hear you talk about. If you feel like talking about it, building confidence as a woman and also building confidence in yourself. So you can get into a healthy and stable relationship because you're so confident and sure of yourself and driven. And I want to be like that, but it's so hard lessons with Alyssa about accepting yourself fully. This is so cute and so wholesome and definitely something I have a passion for speaking about because I was not a very confident person for the majority of my life. I was actually severely bullied from, I want to say it started in like grade three till grade eight. And then in high school, people left me alone a little bit, um, but then towards the end of it, they were a bit more of a bully because at the time I was, I was really religious. So I was just kind of hanging out and being like, hi, Jesus loves you. Hi, Jesus loves you. And people were like, fuck off. <laughs> I was like, it's all right. I have Jesus as a friend. Um, I'm not religious anymore, but at that point in my life, I was very passionate about being religious and definitely felt the need to tell every person who encountered me that Jesus loved them. Anyway. <laughs> so I just was never super confident. Also mixed with having a rough childhood, I didn't really feel worthy of love um, or really of any value. I just felt like I was kind of in the way, not really sure what my purpose was. And then getting into relationships based off of the childhood I had, I was attracting some very questionable love styles. <laughs> very questionable. I feel like someone would give me the time of day or maybe hold the door open for me. And I'd be like, okay, you're my soulmate. 
It's kismet. It's written in the stars. And I was just doing very basic common courtesy things. The bare minimum, guys, the bare minimum. <laughs> if someone holds the door open for you, it's not that special. <laughs> they should do that. We're queens and kings. Our, the door should be held open for us. That's just, you know, let's keep that at a baseline. Um, but yeah, so from dating people like that, I feel like it shot my confidence even more. And for those of you that don't know, I am diagnosed borderline personality disorder. It is an emotional dysregulation disorder stemmed from deep, deep fear of abandonment. It is generally caused from abuse, like severe abuse from the ages of zero to six. And it impacts the way you function. It impacts your brain, um, the size of your amygdala. I think I said that right. And so from having that disorder mixed with the child that I had mixed with the low self-esteem, I was definitely getting myself into these relationships where I wasn't valued for who I was as a person. Um, I felt very used for the way that I looked in a lot of relationships and yeah, it was just kind of a mess. So I felt like that. And then plus having BPD, my point with that was going to be, you believe that if someone stays with you, that is a direct proportion to your worth. So whenever someone would leave me or there would be a breakup that would happen, it would just shoot my ego down even further. So I just didn't feel like I was worth too much. I didn't see the beauty in myself that other people seen, that men seen. I also didn't see the inner beauty, like at all. Like there was periods of time where I didn't leave the house because I felt so insecure about the way that I looked. So I used to nitpick at specific things about my body and I would go through seasons. So like for three months, it would be my hair. I was just like, I fucking hate the way my hair looks. And then I would nitpick at, and I would fixate on it. And I would mirror check constantly whenever I was home, whenever I was near a mirror. And it was very like obsessive behavior. And then I would move past that and it would be something else that I would pick up. Maybe it was like my hands or whatever else. And I would just literally like drive myself crazy, just mirror checking and being like, you're not worthy. You're not worthy to the point that, yeah, I didn't leave the house for a long time. Um, which makes me so sad to say now, but it's like, your brain is so mean to you sometimes. Like, honestly, like I was my biggest bully. Like I was bullied by other people, but I in turn ended up being my biggest bully. And now I look back and I, even now today, when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm so much more kind to myself. I show myself grace. I truly, I treat myself like I would treat my daughter or like younger lists, like baby lists. And you wouldn't go to the mirror and be like, wow, you put on weight and get mad if we had to go up a size in jeans. You would just be like, okay, we'll, we're going to take you shopping. All good. You're a growing girl, right? And so now looking back on it, it makes me super sad. But at the time, yeah, I really struggled with just confidence in general. And then on top of it, I had all of these big emotions and I wasn't diagnosed with anything yet. So I just was like, am I a fucking weirdo? Like, what the fuck? Like, nobody likes me. I'm getting left out of birthday parties. And I am honestly feel crazy. So it was a tough time for me. I laughed to cope. Um, it was definitely a tough time for me. And, and then, of course, you know, building any relationship, romantic or friendship, off of that level of insecurity, it reflects that. 
So I've actually shed and outgrown a lot of relationships that I formed while, have, while being in that headspace because they weren't the best for me. And I'm trying to pinpoint exactly when it was when I started to see my value. Um, so as you know, if you've listened to prior episodes, so I severely had addiction issues with drugs and alcohol and mixing those two (laughs) while being mentally ill, it was a recipe for disaster. And I feel like it just shot my confidence even more. Like I'd feel liquid courage or like when I was on drugs, I'd feel really important or really special or really pretty. And then I would crash from it. And it was just all surface, you know, it didn't actually, there was no depth to it. I was just like, replacing true feelings with substances, honestly. And I think it was when I got sober. Actually, for sure it was. Yeah. Because when I got sober, I started to heal the parts of me that didn't believe I was worthy. So by sitting with myself in my raw feelings, and for those of you that don't know, I got sober right before COVID hit. So I just sat in COVID (laughs) alone in the fucking house, staring at the wall dealing with my shit. It was the hardest season of my entire life, hands down, almost did not make it through. But from doing that, I learned to heal all the parts of myself that needed attention. I was forced to see them. I was forced to see all my scars and my wounds and be like, okay, what needs attention here? What needs healing? And from doing that, I showed myself a lot of grace I was also in dialectical behavior therapy at the time, which was amazing and a big reason why I'm still here today. So that therapy is designed for people who have borderline personality disorder, teaches them skills that they aren't born with and how to regulate your emotions. So it was a mixture of of healing myself, being sober and still, and also learning these skills that most people are born with, but people with BPD lack. So I gained this newfound confidence from that and just being like, okay, I don't need to drink to be having fun. I was able to identify who I was outside of alcohol, which was really big. It was really hard because I was always the box wine gal, but it was really beautiful. And since then it's helped me immensely. And then I would say the next part of that is accepting my disorders. So for years I had been diagnosed with these disorders. BPD was the last one and it was the one that hit home the most. I was like, oh my God, I'm all nine symptoms. I completely resonated with it as soon as my therapist said it and I Googled it. I was like, holy fuck, this is me. And I'm not sure about other people, but when I was given my diagnoses, I felt peace because for so long I had just felt crazy and and misunderstood and left out and neglected and abandoned. And I just had no idea what it was. I'm like, maybe I just am different. And I feel like at that time when we're younger, you know, mental health still wasn't talked about and it was never even something I knew that could be a problem. I was just like, I guess I'm just weird. (laughs) I mean, I am weird and it's fine, but like, (laughs) There was a reason to why I was feeling things so deeply. And there was a reason why all my friends could get over a minor inconvenience happening. And I was stuck on it for days because my brain couldn't regulate. You know, we couldn't bounce back. We don't have that ability to bounce back to the middle ground so easy as other people do. You know, you have like, for example, you're driving on a road trip and you miss your exit. Most people are like, oh, bummer. On to the next. Some people with BPD that takes us hours to get over, sometimes even longer. And that can lead to very exhausting 
uh, relationship with yourself and also with others too. So learning that I had BPD was a very, very cathartic and healing experience for me. But I will say for years, even after being diagnosed, I fought it. And I want to explain this. So I fought it in the sense of I would like split myself from my disorder and try and say, just the bad parts of me are BPD. I'm only BPD when I'm in a relationship. I'm BPD when this. I'm BPD when this. And I remember my friend, who's also diagnosed with BPD, being like, Liz, you don't have BPD. You are BPD. Like, you are. Like, it's just, it's like how you are designed. <clears throat> and to some... This may sound offensive to me. I understood what she was saying in the context of it, meaning like you cannot run from your disorder. Like your brain is, you can improve and like learn how to cope with it, but there's not, you're not going to be cured of it. And you're not just BPD when you're bad. The good parts of you are BPD too. Your ability to love at the extent that you can, your loyalty to others, the way that you feel things so hugely, <laughs> I feel like there could have been a better word, but like. I can't think of one, but like your big emotions that are good are also your BPD, you know, like how excited you get over going for ice cream and you, it feels like you're high as a kite. That is also your BPD. It isn't just the bad. And I think learning to just accept that fully and not split from my own disorder was when I really, really started falling in love with myself because I was like, this is true. This isn't something that's leaving. I can't escape it. I'm not BPD 25 or 50% of the time. I'm BPD always. And I just leaned into that. And by leaning into that, guys, the amount of love and grace I had for myself was beautiful. And I'll be honest, this newfound love and self-confidence really only flourished in the last, I want to say two years, maybe. Yeah. Cause like when I dated my ex, when I just started dating him, like I was in the best place I had ever been mentally and just feeling myself, feeling good about myself. I had started the business. I had my own thing that I was interested in that was separate from relationships that I could be like, this is mine. That really helped too. Like having a business or a passion that you can put your energy into that is solely yours. I mean, I suppose it could be shared too, but for me, it was important because so much of my passions had to do with a man or someone I was dating at the time. So for me to have my own individuality was honestly beautiful. The other thing that I did too was after my relationship had ended prior, I took the, I took space for myself to just chill out. Like, I am somebody who just like bounces around into different relationships, not even purposely. I'm not like I need somebody to love. I just emit a lot of loving energy and I meet a lot of cool people because of how big my personality is. So I just feel like I'm constantly introduced to really awesome people. And like I said, mixed with that thing of believing that like everyone who holds the door open for me is my fucking soulmate. I'm just like, may as well date them. So <laughs> for me, after that one relationship, I literally was like, I am not having sex. I am not going on a date. I am doing none of the shit. I am literally putting my head down. I'm working. I'm getting out of debt. And then I started the business and all these amazing, beautiful things started to happen and come into fruition because I was prioritizing myself and allowing myself space to heal. So my most recent relationship was definitely the most healed I've ever been and the most independent I've ever been while being in a relationship. And as my fellow BPDs can attest, the independency is a hard piece, 
with having this disorder, not when you're single necessarily, because when I'm single, I'm like, I literally don't need anybody, like other than my friends, of course, but like, I don't feel like I need a partner. I can do anything. I could fucking change a tire. I can carry my own groceries. I can do whatever I need to do. But then as soon as I get into a relationship, and I'm actually curious if like people who don't have BPD feel this way too. Like I'm like a fucking baby. I'm like, you have to like buy my lunch and carry me around. Like, a, like I don't even mean to be, it just switches off. And I don't know if it has to do with maybe like the masculine feminine energy. So when I'm single, I'm emitting a lot of masculine energy and I just have no choice but to do it by myself. But then as soon as like a man takes care of me, I'm just like a swaddled infant. <laughs> And I need to find a balance of being like, okay, I can still be a badass bitch who can do things on their own. And like, I would still love to solo travel, even when I get into another relationship again, to really keep that sense of independence alive and burning. Um, But for me, it's so hard. I feel like I do things wholeheartedly and jump into things with two feet, which can be good. But when it comes to relationships, I feel like oftentimes I... I sacrifice a lot of things that I want and I'm very much dedicated to whatever the other person needs. I'm like, we can do anything you want. You want to move here? I must move to Thunder Bay, Canada. And I didn't even have a job. (laughs) I almost moved there and it's like so cold and there's not much to do. And I almost, I like thought about that the other day in one of my relationships, I almost moved to Thunder Bay, not shitting on Thunder Bay, but for me, I'm like a big city gal. I don't like cold. Like it just didn't make sense for me at all. And I was like, sure, let's go. I don't have a job. We'll figure it out. What? What? Oh man. Anyway, but you live and you learn guys never did move to Thunder Bay. We ended that relationship before I moved. Um, but yeah, so I'd love to be able to who get some feedback from you guys if you also feel that way, whether you have BPD or not. I definitely feel like that's something I struggle with. And it's another reason why I'm staying single for a very long time, because I would like to get a grip on that before I enter another relationship. I really want to make sure that all of my needs are met and I fully live out this solo selfish as fuck era and do everything I want to do and really just learn to always be prioritizing my needs, even in relationships, because yes, it's good to compromise, but it's not good to completely self-sacrifice all of your needs and wants because you're dating someone like there needs to be a balance, right? So anyway, I will say, yeah, launching the business and just solo traveling and doing things alone has definitely, definitely boosted my confidence. And I feel like from doing that solo trip to Asia, it also made me realize like I can do anything, (laughs) like anything, because as you guys know, if you've listened to my social anxiety episode, I have a lot of random social anxieties. I shouldn't say random because I feel like they're probably pretty common, but I feel like 90% of them went away or drastically decreased from solo traveling because I was forced to look weird. I was forced to stand out. I was forced to be awkward. I was forced to ask people things on Google Translate and take up space. And I think from doing all those things, and I also wasn't drinking, right? So that was big for me too. Like I can went on a date while I was there and I was sober. And that's something I've never been able to do before. Um, Unless of course I'm already in the relationship and already in love with them. But for me, I would just get so awkward and it went back to that. I didn't feel confident. I didn't feel secure in myself and learning all of that without the crutch of alcohol was huge for me because I think 
society is so big on pushing alcohol down our throats that we kind of grow up believing that we need it to be confident and we need it to dance. We need it to laugh. We need it to go on dates. We need it to have sex. We need like there's so many things that I did not believe I could do without being drunk. So Asia, you know, even though I've been sober for well over a year and a half, Asia was the biggest, most incredible trip for me because it was sober and because I was alone for so much of it. Both of those things are just, if you would have asked the list five years ago, I, there's no way. I would have been like that. You've got the wrong person. There's no way. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be able to be alone and I wouldn't be able to be sober. So yeah, having that trip just really opened my eyes to so many things. And once you, I feel like it's just a snowball effect, right? Like from when I started getting sober and healing myself, being in therapy and just learning to love myself and see what people meant when they were like, you're so much better than this alcohol and drug shit list. Like you are so much better than it. I never believed it. I was like, y'all are crazy. I'm not. This is me. This is how I have to deal with what I've been through. It's, I've genuinely responded to people that way and been like, nah, I think I'll keep doing the drugs. <laughs> Thanks, so. And, you know, I lost friendships over it because they were like, I can't handle this. I can't handle this version of you. It's too much. And that just added to the abandonment issues. And I lived in the victim mindset for years. And now being sober, I'm like, I totally get it. Because if I were friends with someone who was constantly inebriated and I couldn't even connect with them, I would have to let go of them as well because of the place I'm at in my life. So looking back, I mean, it wasn't abandonment. They were just protecting themselves and I commend them for it. And actually a few of those relationships I've been able to mend since becoming sober. And I've actually thanked them for standing up for themselves and creating those boundaries because I think that's so important to do. Um, but yeah, it started with the sobriety, man. Like so much of my confidence came from me having to be stripped down from having any substance and rebuilding me and letting me be who I was without anything. And for the first time when I was in Asia, I actually went clubbing, which I think to some people sounds strange to go clubbing sober, probably because we're conditioned to think that's weird. It's actually not. It's a lot of fun. And I was just like the most hydrated bitch on the dance floor. And I didn't know either if I could dance without alcohol. I'll be honest, I've been sober for a year and a half and I was like, I don't think I can do that shit. But being in Asia, I think it was just also a mix of it being a different culture and knowing like people were probably not judging me for the same ways that they judge me here, but probably judging me in different ways. But I just kind of let go of that and leaned into the experience. I mean, there was like minions in costumes dancing around me. So I was just like, I think this is my time to let loose. <laughs> and so I did. And it was the most freeing experience. I almost felt high, but I knew I was high on life. And I just remember coming out of that. And the people I had met were like, you are a riot. I can't believe you're sober. And I was like, yeah, same. I also can't believe I just like got down like that on the dance floor sober, but it felt amazing and everyone should do it. <laughs> And then the other part of that trip was just making all the decisions and calling the shots by yourself. So that's something I've actually really struggled with because again, there wasn't that trust or confidence in my decision making skills, right? I was just like, I don't think I can do this, but I was forced to do it. And I really didn't like it at first. I was like, I don't like that. I can't call and ask somebody because I don't know if it's the right thing to do. But if you're making the decision with confidence, it is the right thing to do. <laughs> and I kept saying that because I would make a choice 
about whatever it be, like dinner or the next city I was going to. And I would purposely check myself if I started to doubt it. And I'm like, no, babe, we felt that calling to make that decision either for dinner or whatever it was, whether big or small, we felt called to make that decision. So we're going to trust in that. And I think shutting down your own brain before it even gets to overthinking is a really powerful tactic because you save yourself a lot of energy, one. And two, you start to build a trust in yourself that you can make the right decisions and you are making a right decision and you're in a good headspace to receive it. Like the perspective is we made a good decision. We're sticking with it. It's the best one. We're here to reap all the benefits of that decision versus sitting in that questionable guilt phase of like, did I make the right decision? You're not going to be able to receive the present moment the way it's intended for you to live, right? The other thing I want to touch on in this episode is like the physical appearance. So I will say that by working on the mental and working on, you know, how you feel going to therapy, doing the inner healing work, it does make you feel more beautiful on the outside. But of course, when we're living in a society with like a 500 plus billion dollar beauty industry constantly telling us new trends, new fads, like your boobs are too small, your lips are too small, you need this, you need this, you need to be skinnier, you need to be thicker, you need to be like, it's crazy how toxic that is. And it's crazy how big the industry is. Um, so I will say being a woman in this I don't even want to say day and age because it's always been a thing. There's always been societal beauty pressures shoved down our throats. But especially in the time of social media where you can look through people's perfectly filtered, edited photos and compare yourself, it's very detrimental and very hard. And I have had to limit the accounts that I follow just because of that. Because you can be as confident as you want, but I feel like there's a the internet has a way of making you feel like you ain't shit as soon as you open the apps. So I'm very selective with who I follow. I just follow, I try to just like follow inspirational pages, close friends, and that's it. I'm really like not trying to follow anything that'll trigger my mental health. So I think that's a good piece of advice too, is if anybody triggers you, like it's your own social media account, like it's yours. You don't owe anybody a follow back. You can be friends with someone and not follow them. If you don't like the content they post, or you can mute them, right? That mute feature is a beauty. But my thing is, if you have to mute them, you may as well just not be following them. And there's, it's not that deep. It's just Instagram, but like the effects of it, of you keeping things that are detrimental to your mental health can be very deep. So, you know, prioritize that. And actually, while we're on the subject of social media, I would like to touch on a few things. So I feel like with being BPD, with being a woman in this society, with all the things, I feel like there is a lot of pressure when posting on social media, especially if you're trying to grow. So for myself, it's been a couple of years of me just posting consistently and trying to grow and be recognized by the algorithm for mental health content and self-love content. I'm trying to get the word out there about all the things and have everybody feel safe and feel like they can be themselves and be vulnerable. But in doing so, it has been very challenging on my own mental health because it's very hard to put a lot of energy and work into posting consistent content and having results just completely fail or having the video not pop off or having it not even reach your audience of the people that follows you. It can feel like it's your fault and it can feel very 
shitty. <laughs> I'm like trying to think of a better way to explain it. But like, I've definitely had to check myself many of times and be like, social media isn't a reflection of your worth. It's just an app where you can choose to post things about your life or not. But I think it's very hard when you're on it as much as content creators are. It's just, it's hard not to get wrapped up in that. It's hard not to get discouraged. It's hard not to take it personal. It's hard not to think you're not enough. Like it's really hard. And it's something that I've always have to check myself with. And if I feel myself getting too attached to the engagement or the feedback or the validation, I have to take a step away from it because it's a a vicious cycle that you can get trapped into. And it honestly can just damage your mental health further and your self-confidence truly. So I will say like limiting screen time and being selective with who you choose to follow and how attached you are to your content and your results is a big play into your self-confidence and yeah, honestly, it can really, really damage you if you don't monitor that. So that's something that I've personally struggled with and I haven't really talked about that too much. Yeah. So I would just, I would recommend you be mindful of that because I think that that can play a bigger role in our confidence issues than we maybe even realize. So as I'm reflecting on this episode and all the things that I've said, I wanted to mention too, because you know, sobriety was such a big part of my healing and growing experience. I don't want anyone to listen to it and think, well, I don't even drink in the first place. How do I get to that point? What can I give up? And I think, or monitor or watch or like heal, right? So I think my best advice to anyone wanting to gain more confidence is like, is there something externally that you're leaning on for validation, Because for me, alcohol was a way to cope, yes, but it was also something that boosted my ego and my confidence and made me feel like I was enough. But ultimately, that feeling needs to come from you directly. It cannot come from an external source. Because what happens when you build your confidence around an external source, say that be a relationship or an addiction, you are then continuing that unhealthy attachment and it will always be that your worth is in the hands of something else and is out of your control and when it is out of your control you don't have power over it you don't have room to grow you don't have room to expand it so you need to be able to derive meaning and worth from yourself which ultimately comes from healing and sitting with your feelings because once you heal the parts of you that need attention and love you're not searching for validation in external areas. You're now turning inward and realizing that you are enough on your own. And then from realizing that you are enough on your own, it then radiates to your outward beauty because you shine and you have more confidence. And it has actually been psychologically proven that you, if you carry yourself with more confidence, you are automatically more attractive to other people. And I think that's a really cool fact because it has helped me walk with more pep in my step (laughs) and honestly just feel like more confident overall because I feel like it's a snowball effect too. The, The more confident you act, the more confidence you just radiate and then you feel more confident overall. So I'm gonna leave off this episode with this. I truly believe that your confidence is in direct proportion to how much you have healed and you are a magnet to 
your purpose and the things that are meant for you and more self-confidence by choosing to sit through the discomfort and heal. Because when you heal, you fucking love yourself more. You show yourself grace, you show yourself understanding, and then you stop searching for it in other ways, in relationships, in friendships. And it stops that cycle. It stops the vicious cycle of outwardly looking for things that fulfill you because you become whole enough on your own. And from then the rest of it falls into place. That is my own experience and perspective on it. And I really hope this helps some of you guys gain more confidence and maybe identify what it is that you need to do or what you need to heal and sit with before you move forward. And I'm always open to more questions. So if you have any more questions, shoot me a DM or you can go on the full-minded podcast website and submit your questions there as well. And yeah, cause I really, I really enjoyed recording this episode. It was an easy one for me to do because I just knew everything that I wanted to say. It flowed nice and it was a great topic suggestion. So thank you so much for giving that suggestion to me. And it's been a blast until next time, guys. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I loved having you. If you wish to support this podcast, please follow us so you never miss an episode. You can also find us on social media at Full Minded Podcast. Please visit our website at www.fullmindedpodcast.com to submit all your questions. If you wish to be a guest on this podcast, please fill out the form on our website to apply. Your continued support means the world, so thank you again for taking the time out of your day to tune into Full Minded with Elisabetta. Until next time, be kind to yourselves and remember that there is power in owning our imperfect and messy lives. It's all a part of the human experience and you're not alone in it.